You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Nazawali Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It excited? is. Pizza and wings tonight. <laughs> Talking about pizza At and Pizzaville, wings. Pizzaville, of course. Yeah, Pizzaville, of course. Uh, just let our listeners know uh, what's up on the show today. Of course, it's Super Bowl Sunday. We'll be, uh, be talking to post-media NFL Sports uh, NFL writer John Crick, who's in Atlanta, with, uh, watching the game and uh, some great uh, some great material in the Toronto Sun and National Post this week, and uh, we'll talk to him about his predictions and how he uh, how he shapes the game up for this afternoon uh, or this evening. So uh, John Crick from Atlanta, Super Bowl Sunday. Um, this week's also. Um, uh, the Conn Smythe Dinner, which is the most prestigious and uh, longest-running uh, sports dinner in uh, Canada. Uh, certainly uh, been running for a long time, 68th anniversary, so we'll be pleased. And they always raise money for Easter Seals. It's a great, great cause for disadvantaged children to give them opportunities to go to camps and uh, do other great things. Um, so we'll catch up with Kevin Collins, who is the president and chief executive officer of Easter Seals Ontario. It's a great dinner. It's at the Western Harbor Castle, uh, innumerable amount of sports celebrities. And one of the sports celebrities is Toronto Maple Leafs legend David Keon. And we're going to have the opportunity to speak for him for a few minutes. He's going to be coming in for the dinner and providing his support to Easter Seals Ontario. And uh, we're going to chat with him about it. Uh, Naz, the Toronto Maple Leafs last night. Uh, didn't get off to a great start, uh, but they turned it around. Um, not a great performance Friday night. They managed to eke out uh, a tie. Uh, sorry, a tie in regulation time, so they got a point, but they lost in uh, in, in overtime uh, against the Wings. They didn't look great coming off the break. Uh, didn't look great in the first period last night, and uh, they uh, turned it around and played the type of game you think they need to play from yeah, here on in. they need to in. play that 3-2 game, and uh, they usually lose those games, but uh, last night they won. And uh, it's important that they are, they can play that 3-2-2-1 game come playoff time, for sure. Uh, the big move this week. Uh, it was a big move. The big move in Leafland, uh, of course, was... Uh, uh, Kyle Dubas was working, uh, working, working hard, and uh, we brought in uh, our new number eight, Jake Muzzin. Jake, uh, some some good years in L.A. Uh, Stanley Cup winner, um, tough, hard nosed, tough, hard nosed kid. I mean, <laughs> we call them kids; they're not kids, obviously. But uh, um, wearing number eight um, last night. Uh, I thought he's played well his first two games, uh, especially last night. And there was a there was a key moment in the game last night where uh, Leafs were floundering a bit, uh, usual having problems getting the puck out of their own zone. And then uh, Muzzin decided to lay some muscle, I think, on the other Jake on the Pittsburgh side uh, and uh, took him out hard in the boards. It was a resounding body check into the boards. You could hear it. 
uh, all over the Scotiabank Arena and sort of woke the Leafs up and... Uh, I haven't seen one of those in a while, Naz. It looks sure. like what they used to call old time hockey. Uh, I think he, I think he, he, uh, he fits a, a good spot in this lineup. Um, top four guy playing with Riley, uh, stay at home type of defenseman more so. Uh, physical, tough, uh, without not not dirty tough, but just he can make his presence felt out there, and he certainly did at an appropriate time last night. He's a steady influence on that team. He's a steady defenseman. We haven't had one of those for a while, and he's going to be really good for the for the Leafs. Well, certainly, uh, you know, come playoff time, he's got that. He's got a he's got a physical presence that the team tends to lack. Um, he certainly uh, is a member of the L.A. Kings on a Stanley Cup run deep into the playoffs. Played a lot of Game Sevens. Played a lot of overtimes. Uh, knows what it takes to win. Uh, uh, when when things get tough, um, so I I think he could be a very important part of uh, a, of a Leaf drive to the playoffs. Uh, you know we're getting a little bit concerned about um, their performance in the last month and a half. They've been sub five hundred, but uh, you know if uh, last night's uh, second half of the game of performance is a harbinger of things to come, then uh, uh, things look promising. The pro- the power play is not working right now, Walling. With all that talent, they're they're really slumping. I wonder what the issue is. Is that they're not getting guys in front of the net? Uh, Tavares is the only guy that goes in front of the net. James Van Riemsdyk used to be a pro at doing that, deflecting stuff. And uh, it's not happening for them. Yeah, it's not I, happening. Um, power play was very successful early in the season. Um, hockey was a little bit different. Um, Leafs obviously were relying upon their speed, their puck possession, and their creativity. Um, obviously, the coaching staffs in uh, in the league uh, pick up on that. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Nez, but I think perhaps what they lack on the power play is, um, you know, a lot of goals come in from the dirty area. It's nice to create all these fantastic, great pretty passing plays and certainly the Leafs have the skill level to do that mm-hmm. but goaltending in the NHL is pretty good nowadays um, so you got to get to the dirty areas and um, you know you saw the goal Austin Matthews picked up last night you know the puck's lying loose and you know come around empty net uh, Zach Hyman on his knees flips the puck up um, they don't have Correct me if I'm wrong, Naz. Anybody who shoots the puck from the point uh, with what Danny Gallivan used to call a cannonading drive, um, I don't see anybody back there with a big point shot. And that can be very Muzzin's important. Muzzin's the only one. Muzzin, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, that can be a very important attribute on a power play. A uh, defenseman who can really, really uh, zoom bullets towards the net for a lot of different reasons. It keeps the other keeps the other opponent's heads up, and number two, it creates a lot of uh, rebounds and pucks that go into strange places. Um, and the guy, the guy who to, you know, the big heavy guy that can stand in front of the net that nobody can move. Uh, you know, sometimes that's a, that's a nice thing to have on a power play as well. When yeah. when when the pretty passing plays aren't working, yeah, they've got lots of talent. They they need to correct that for the playoffs because it's so important. Specialty teams are so important in the playoffs. You can be you can be done if you're, if your power play is not working. You can be out 
no time in the playoffs. Anyways, it's uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. We certainly want to get on to that discussion. We've got John Crick coming in, uh, not coming in studio, but on the line. He's in Atlanta at the game. And before we go, got to remind our listeners, it's uh, it's uh, it's a big weekend at Pizzaville. They've got some great, great big game specials. I understand I'm not to use, allowed to use the word Super Bowl in their advertisements. They These are Pizzaville's. Big game specials for this afternoon. Uh, 14 chicken poppers or wings for only $10. 20 chicken poppers or wings for only 15 Really big 18-inch XL pizza with three toppings only, $19.99. Uh, and we've got some other ones. I'll, I'll uh, uh, get into those later on in the show. They're all available when you order online with their app or, with, or by phone. Order online at pizzaville.ca or from your cell. Dial uh, three six three six. Super Bowl Sunday tonight. Pound three six. Do you know three, the pizza six. and wings consumption is incredible on a night like tonight? Biggest day of the year. Anyways, we uh, got to go to break. We'll come back and we'll repeat those Pizzaville specials later on in the show. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we received this letter. My marriage is in a rut. Can you help us spice things up? Yes. Get the Gourmet Special. Two medium gourmet pizzas for just $24.99. He loves Canadian bacon, so he'll order a deluxe. She can order the Italian, because she loves the hot Italian sausage. Everyone's happy. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740, downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. Live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, 
John Crick. John is the uh, NFL writer for the Post Media Network and uh, some great material in the Toronto Sun National Post, the Sun newspapers and the Post papers throughout Canada. Good morning, John. How are you? Not too bad. It's Super Sunday. It is Super Sunday, and uh, thanks so much for joining us. I understand you're in Atlanta uh, 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 taking care of business at the, at the game. And, uh, John, i got to tell you, I always follow your material in the Toronto Sun. Uh, you uh, good with the pen. Uh, some great articles uh, throughout the week, yesterday and today. The, my first question was going to be, what's your prediction for the game? But uh, don't even have to ask you the question because it's in the Toronto Sun this morning. <laughs> you've got uh, you've got the Patriots beating the Rams, thirty three yes, to thirty one, and you've got Gronkowski as the MVP. Uh, give us your analysis. Well, uh, these two teams, I think I could see either team winning. And in fact, if you flip the page of the Toronto Sun, you'll see me giving <laughs> five reasons why I think both teams could win it. <laughs> uh, so it's not like I'm trying to sit on a fence. I did pick the Patriots, but I do think that the Rams probably have um, just about as much chance to win this game as the Patriots. However, all these things equal. When you look at the, the great defensive line that the Rams have, and of course all the great uh, ex, uh, the, the great passing attack and rushing attack now that the, that the Patriots have with this rookie Sony Michelle, who has set an all-time NFL playoff record with five rushing touchdowns, and we still got another game to go. Um, when you look at all these factors, they're probably about, it's, it's a coin flip, it's pretty even, but you have to give the experience edge, of course, to the Patriots. More than half of their roster has played already in two Super Bowls and have a Super Bowl ring, whereas three players only on the Rams have ever played in a Super Bowl. And I think maybe the best example or the best um quote that I heard all week from anybody explaining why this game is different, Tom Brady just said the length. He said the whole pregame warm-up is extended and longer because, you know, all the things and events going on uh, with, you know, the pregame ceremony, uh, the anthem and all that. And then he said that at halftime, it's much longer. He said, so you're on the field so much longer. He said, you will wear out emotionally if you get up too early for this game, which is, you know, something that a lot of players will do. It's the biggest game of their lives, if it's, especially if it's their first Super Bowl. Well, these guys have been there. This is his ninth Super Bowl. For a lot of these guys on this team, this is their fourth Super Bowl or, or more. So they know how to pace themselves a little better. And I think if you put that experience against the inexperience of the Rams, um, you have to give the edge to the Patriots. John, I was reading your, your article with Joe Montana on video replay, and I'm wondering what mm-hmm. your opinion is of video replay. Yeah, it's. I'm one of those people that believe that replay should be expanded to everything. I do believe that the the CFL, the Football League, has it exactly right. Where in night, uh, sorry, in 2014, for five seasons now, they have allowed coaches to challenge for pass interference, which is a judgment call, and the NFL doesn't allow for the challenging of judgment calls. You can in the CFL, whether it was called or not, you can you can challenge for uncalled pass interference, which of course is a whole controversy from the NFC Championship game two years or two weeks ago today, when the Saints uh, receiver was interfered with blatantly by the Rams defender. It wasn't called. 
the Saints would have got a first and goal at the six and probably would have been able to run out the clock because the Rams had only one timeout left. Uh, and either kicked a field goal or even scored a touchdown. Um, as it was, uh, it wasn't called, and the Rams went back and tied it before the end of regulation and then won it in overtime to be here. So the CFL has it right, whereas they limit the coach's challenge to one per game as long as you have a timeout and you can challenge things like uh, pass interference, defensive or offensive, whether called or not. And I think that the average fan who will be watching today, and they will be tens of millions across North America, Canada, and the U.S. watching who don't watch the league that closely and who would really wonder, why can't you challenge, why can you only challenge for some things and not everything when it's a blatant mistake? I think the average fan just wants to see the ability of blatant mistakes to be corrected, and they don't care whether it's judgment call or not. Uh, and the NFL is just preoccupied with, you know, trying to allow the official on the field to always have the final decision. They don't want to referee it from the replay booth. Uh, I think they should. We're talking to John Crick. Uh, John, the uh, conventional wisdom is that the Patriots are experienced and the L.A. Rams are inexperienced. Uh, We've got Belichick and Brady, and on the other side we've got uh, the Rams coach, McVeigh. But there's one gentleman that has a reputation of perhaps being one of the great defensive geniuses of all time, Wade Phillips. Right. what stamp do you think he might put on this game? And is he the guy that uh, perhaps knows how to beat the Patriots better than anybody else? Well, here's, here's, here's a great example of that. Akib Tlaib, their starting cornerback for the Rams. Well, he played two years in, in New England, 2012-2013. Uh, so he knows that Bill Belichick, who is first and foremost a defensive coach for the Patriots and has been doing it in the NFL, for nearly 40 years as a coordinator. Well, as you say, Wade Phillips has been doing it for longer than that as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. And what did Aqib Tlaib say this week? Now, of course, it's, it's going to say maybe it's because it's his current coach, but he didn't have to say that I think he's the greatest of all time, and that's what he said as far as defensive coaches. What he does, Wade Phillips, is he keeps things simple. And even Bill Belichick explained it this week. He said, look, he, he, he has a system. Everybody knows it. And um, it's, it's uh, Tlaib explained how the players love it because they can play fast because it's not too complicated. So many coaches, especially on defense in the NFL, want to make things so complicated that their players, oh, you know, in a moment of crisis, do I go here or do I stay here? Should I go? I guess the way Phillips is so genius is that he just makes it simple for the players to understand, but not always simple for the offense to understand. And that is the mark of a great coach. And so it'll be really interesting to see whether he goes after Tom Brady with a lot of blitzes, whether he lays back. Usually teams that lay back in pass coverage get picked apart by Tom Brady (laughs) mercilessly throughout the whole game. Uh, But uh, Wade Phillips certainly has played against Brady in many big games when he was defensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos just a few years ago when they knocked off the Patriots, knocked him around more than 20 times they hit him in the game in the AFC Championship game in Peyton Manning's last season three years ago. And it was the Broncos who went on to the Super Bowl against Carolina and won it. So uh, Phillips is a big factor in this game, as you say. Uh, John, you wrote, a, uh, I would say, an interesting, a very, very interesting, uh, illuminating piece uh, article on Tuesday in, uh, in the Post Media Network about Bill Belichick. Uh, 
It was, uh, and I encourage my I encourage our listeners if you if you want a little want to know a little bit about scratch the surface of Bill Belichick and who he is and who his uh, influences are and what his theories are. Read John's article. Uh, I think it was on Tuesday. I'm pretty sure it was on Tuesday. Toronto Sun Post Media. Yep. Uh, very extensive article. Very extensive analysis of Bill Belichick and. The thrust of the article is the influences on Belichick's career, and as a certain gentleman, and I didn't realize the part about uh, Bill's father uh, being being so involved in football. And this gentleman, James Harden, uh, tell us uh, tell us how that story came about, and uh, give our listeners a little bit of a uh, an, an insight into uh, into your story and what you found out about Belichick. Sure. Most people realize uh, who've watched football um, a long time, these last couple of decades, especially during this incredible dynastic run by the Patriots, that he is unconventional. He will do things and people go, what the, how the heck did he stop that team? And and, and he employed something that was totally unconventional, but it was aggressive, as I called it, unconventional aggressiveness. And his father was a, was a long-time assistant coach at Navy and a long-time scout who actually wrote a book on scouting and uh, was quite uh, revered in that regard in the, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, before Bill started really becoming a, an impactful head coach or uh, an impactful assistant coach in the late 70s and 80s. The other big influence in his life was Bill Parcells, the New York Giants head coach and New England Patriots head coach in the in the eighties and nineties. And Belichick was his defensive coordinator, uh, you know, his ace assistant for him. And most people would just put those two guys as his big influences. But I always wondered. I had always wondered why did he? Where did he get this whole? Um, uh, aggressiveness and unconventional ways when those two really don't have that on their resumes. And so on Monday night at media night here, I was able, in between the, the crazy people wearing clown costumes and all the circus atmosphere, I was able to get one question into him. And I asked Bill, I said, and this is the other thing that mo- most of all that I, had perplexed me, which is he has always said, and he'll say it to the reporters 12 times a year, which is, I don't care if we run it 60 times a game to win or pass it 60 times a game to win. And he doesn't, and they do. He'll have a guy run for 200 yards one week, and two weeks later, he won't even dress the guy because the next game, because for that game, they want somebody who has better hands coming out of the backfield, and they won't even dress that guy. So it was this guy, Wayne Harden, he told me, that probably had the most impact in that regard. I'd never heard of him. He was the uh, head coach for Navy when his dad was an assistant there in the late 50s and early 60s. Well, I looked him up, and he coached Roger Staubach at Navy in the early 60s. And then I found only one article, really, that ever really mentioned it in any detail about what this guy Harden was like. And apparently, and then I asked Bill about it at his news conference Tuesday, and he went on. You know, you don't know when he's going to ever do that, but (laughs) he graciously went on and said, well, look, this guy, not only on offense, but defense and special teams, he said he would come up with all of these unconventional plays and didn't care that they were unconventional and almost liked that they were unconventional. Well, that is the uh, the imprint, of course, of what Belichick has done as a head coach in the NFL since the 90s. He likes taking these unorthodox approaches. And one was when they faced that first great of those four Buffalo Bills teams uh, nearly 30 years ago in the, in the Super Bowl, the, the Jim Kelly K-gun offensive attack. Well, they went in that game, and they prided themselves, those Giants, that year on stopping the run. And Thurman Thomas, of course, was one of the best runners in the league. What did... Belichick do? 
he told his guys, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to let them run. We're going to beg them to run. And his, and actually one of his players recalled, he said, we thought that he had a brain fart. Like, what the hell are you talking about? And Belichick said, look, we have to let them run because it turns out but Kelly was a Hall of Fame quarterback throwing to two Hall of Fame receivers. And he thought that those, if those guys got hot, that they wouldn't be able to keep up with them with the Giants. Kind of a pretty bad offense that year. So they employed two defensive linemen rather than the usual three, four, or five um, and, had all, and dropped everybody back in coverage. And, of course, after a few uh, series, the Bills went, oh, man, we're going to run it. And so they ran it. And Thurman Thomas got 100-and-something yards. But guess what? The Giants won the game. And since then, everybody has pointed to that as Bills' uh, un- great, unconventionally aggressive moment. And he has done that in innumerable ways, innumerable ways ever since then. And it was this guy, Wayne Harden, who had that effect on him. John, you had to bring up the Buffalo Bills, didn't you? <laughs> you opened old wounds, John. You're talking to two uh, Bills fans here. I know. <laughs> Terrible. Well, it's just an amazing way how he did that, right? I mean, it's... You have to grudgingly tip your cap, I suppose, for that one, and then you can hate him ever since. You've got a New England Bills fan. John, Tom Brady said he's playing till 45, and uh, where do you see Rob Gronkowski? Will he be retiring after today? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. He had a tough season this year. He didn't... Uh, game after game would go by, and you'd say to yourself, okay, this is a game where he breaks out, because... You know, they don't have a good matchup on him coverage-wise, whatever. For whatever reason, you'd say, this is a big game. And, he's, no, it wouldn't happen. I mean, he, he comes home to Buffalo, where he's from, on a Monday night. Well, this will be the game where they go to him, you know, and they try to get him a couple of touchdowns. And he, again, very quiet. In the playoffs, he has been getting raves. Um, he has come alive, especially against Kansas City. He had a couple of clutch, huge catches that without either of them, the, the Patriots probably wouldn't have defeated the Chiefs uh, in the AFC Championship game two weeks ago tonight. Um, but what he is doing is he is run-blocking for this Ricky I mentioned, Sony Michel. I was at the Chargers game in the uh, the divisional round playoff games, Watson, and he's just baking these linebackers and safeties and plowing them out of the way. So he's probably near the end of the rope. He has had a lot of serious injuries, back injuries, leg injuries. He still wears his long... Um, not a cast, but a, but a, uh, a protective sleeve on his arm because of arm. He had repeated, uh, I think he had one off season, two or three arm surgeries to try to get this arm corrected. So he's kind of like the Robo Gronk right now, rather than just Gronk, <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the six million dollar man from our from those who can remember. You know, he's, he's been rebuilt kind of, and it would not surprise anybody if he were to retire after this game. So I thought, you know what, the Gronk. Brady probably is going to try to get some balls to Gronk, especially because they have a good cover corner. Who might that Talib guy I mentioned? Who might be lined up against him occasionally? Talib said, but for the most part, I expect him to be a slower linebacker or a smaller uh, defensive back who just gets out physical by Gronk. He's six seven, two eighty. I mean, this guy is a and he can run fast. Maybe not so much fast anymore because of all these injuries, but I expect that he'll be a point of focus for the for Brady and the Patriots offense both as a blocker and as a pass receiver. And uh, I'm just predicting, if you have to pick someone, that he might get the MVP because of it. We've been talking to John Crick, the uh, football writer for the Post Media Network. John, we've got to let you go. Got, uh, we've got to move on. And uh, I know your prediction is uh, uh, Patriots' slight, slight edge over the Rams. Uh, after our 15-minute uh, conversation here, have you changed your mind at all? 
You still, uh, mm-hmm. still, uh, still, uh, still, uh, still Patriots over the Rams by two points. Okay. Listen, we appreciate this. Enjoy the game. Should be a great game. Naz and Waller, thanks for having me on. Thank you. Always a pleasure. John Crick. Uh, uh, To all our listeners, uh, uh, John's got great material in the Toronto Sun and the National Post. I always pick them them up on Saturday during NFL season to read uh, read his breakdowns on what's happening Sunday and, of course, obviously during the playoffs and, and his breakdown on Super Bowl Sunday. The interesting thing is, after he retires, he's going to the WWE as a wrestler. You know that. <laughs> the Gronk? The Gronk is going to the WWE as a wrestler. Maybe I can send in my resume. I want to be his manager. Anyways, on that <laughs> note, uh, we'll be right back after the break. We're going to talk some uh, Con Smythe dinner. We have the president and CEO of Easter Seals Ontario, Kevin Collins. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I realised that, unlike pizza, you can enjoy Pizzaville's authentic panzerotti with just one hand. Pizzaville and its entities, owned in whole or in part, have no interest in knowing what you do with your other hand while you're consuming one of our panzerotti. Seriously. Get two authentic Italian panzerotti with cheese and sauce for just ten forty nine. One for each hand. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. Bridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. This week at the Harbour Castle, Weston Harbour Castle, it's the 68th. Rogers, Con Smythe, Celebrities, Dinners, and Auction in support of Easter Seals Kids. It's Canada's most successful and prestigious sports dinner. We're pleased to welcome to the Nazawali Sports Hour the President and Chief Executive Officer of Easter Seals Ontario, Kevin Collins. Good morning, Kevin. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm great. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for joining us. It's uh, certainly our pleasure to talk about uh, an event that uh, Easter Seals is having this Wednesday. It's been around for a long, long time. It performs an incredibly important uh, function in our community. There couldn't be a a better cause. Uh, You're raising money for children to give them opportunities. Uh, These are children generally that are not very mobile or have disabilities and you set up camps and and just very quickly read um, uh, a vignette from your website it's all about the sheer joy of children leaving their wheelchairs behind getting into a canoe for the first time at special camps and all these proceeds go to creating independence and freedom for many children with physical disability first of all kevin i applaud you on the fantastic work that you and everybody at easter seals does and all of your committee it gives me an opportunity to give a shout out to my partner michael carley who's on your board uh i've been, i've been privileged to been to the last few of your dinners there isn't any of your dinners i don't go by when one of your ambassadors gets up there and it brings a tear to my eye so congratulations it's it's the work you do is phenomenal tell us a little bit about this year's dinner well thank you so much and, and again um this event as you described uh, it's been going on since the 68th annual, and we're so pleased to have the support of so many incredible people through the sports uh, sports broadcasting industry that uh, have really been the backbone of the success of this. And this year, uh, without a doubt, is, is going to be another incredibly special year. You know, we've, we're fortunate enough to have Roger Sportsnet's uh, Ivanka Osmak and Ken Reed as our hosts for the evening, along with Christine Simpson and Gord Stelic, uh, who will be uh, doing the interviews throughout the throughout the night. Just some of our head table guests that, uh, that'll be there on Wednesday night is, uh, uh Olympic and world champion ice dancer Tessa Virtue. Um, of course, I, I believe a gentleman you're going to be speaking with yep. momentarily, uh, Maple Leafs legend Dave Keon, uh, recently retired Canadian tennis, uh, star, uh, Daniel Nestor will be there along with former Blue Jays manager John Gibbons. Um, Cujo, Curtis Joseph will be joining us, uh, along with four-time gold medalists in the women's hockey, uh, Jana Heppert. And two-time hockey gold medalist Sammy Joe Small and sledge hockey uh, wheelchair basketball star Billy Bridget. So, uh, exciting night. And uh, top it all off, will be uh, will be a very special uh, Consmite Lifetime Achievement Award being presented to um, uh, recently retired uh, Blue Jay announcer Jerry Howard. And so we're really excited. And I know Jerry's very excited to be part of this incredible evening. Kevin, uh, Easter Seals. Well, you know what brings me back to Easter Seals is uh, Whipper Billy Watson. I remember him like when I was a kid. And you had a personal experience with him, I understand. Uh, tell me what Whipper Billy Watson meant to Easter Seals. Well, I, he was, without a doubt, a uh, uh, most incredible ambassador to our organization. Um, I myself, personally, um, being born with a disability, I have cerebral policy, and, and uh, I was very fortunate enough at, at the age of 12 to be chosen to be uh, an Easter Seal Provincial Ambassador. And uh, at that time, um, I had the privilege of having Whipper Billy Watson carry me on his shoulders um, into the Consumite Sports Celebrity Dinner. That was a, uh, a standard um, thing that Whipper would do each and every year with with the new ambassador. And, and we would be uh, bagpiped into the event, a standing ovation. And it was my first experience at 12 getting to uh, speak in front of 1,200 people. So you, you get to learn very quickly uh, how to brush up on your public speaking skills. 
Uh, we're talking to Kevin Collins, the president and CEO of Easter Seals Ontario. Kevin, um, it's it's always a privilege going to the dinner, and especially when uh, when uh, there's a special ambassador, they come in and talk. But uh, tell us the great things, uh, just so that everybody's aware, the the great programs that you have uh, for these uh, for these young men and women, uh, children, um, the types of things that bring. Uh, smiles to their faces and really gives them excitement and passion. Without that, I mean, you know, through the support of our incredible donors, Easter Seals Ontario, we, we offer programs and services that enable the kids with physical disabilities to focus on what they can do rather than on their limitations. You know, our some of our programs include the funding of essential accessibility and mobility equipment. And, you know, as you talked about earlier on, the opportunity to attend the summer camp we have two fully accessible summer camps in this province, uh, and uh, one is just outside of Perth, Camp Marywood. The, the second one is just outside of London, Camp Wood Eden. And these camps are, are fully uh, accessible. There's no barriers. There's no curbs. Um, you're in an environment where you're around other kids that have faced similar challenges that, that you may have with a disability on a day-to-day basis. Um, they get to share stories. They get to learn life skills lifelong friendship. There's so many incredible programs. You know, for me, um, it was where I learned how to swim. You know, it was where I learned how to, to interact with other kids and, and really get to, to learn and understand that having a disability was not going to be, uh, you know, a, great, a big challenge because you had other people that you can depend upon, talk with, and get to learn from each other. And, and the other key part of this whole, uh, the camping program, is the respite that it offers for our parents. Um, a lot of times, you know, these kids require uh, 24-7, 365 days a year care. And so getting an opportunity to allow your child to go to a camp where you know that they're going to get the very best of care for 10 days, it really helps rejuvenate the families that, uh, that support these kids. Uh, we're talking once again to Kevin uh, uh, Kevin Collins. Uh, the the uh, the dinner's been around for a long, long time, and it just uh, raised a lot of money. Uh, Con Smythe uh, was originally uh, uh, originally got associated with the dinner. He was a benefactor, and uh, um, your recollection of uh, of Con's involvement in the dinner and uh, his his legacy uh, that keeps uh, keeps pushing forward every year. Well, it's. Consumite was such a, an important part of the success of the growth of Easter Seals. I mean, he was a board member uh, of Easter Seals Ontario um, from 1946 on, um, and the dinner, this, this dinner itself, was renamed in honor of Consumite um, shortly after his passing in 1980. So, 1981 was the first year that the dinner was renamed the Consumite Sports Delivery Dinner. But you know, above and beyond that, I mean, his involvement. Uh, uh, to the support of the Maple Leafs and, and continues to this day with with our relationship with the Toronto Maple Leafs and you know through our schemes that uh, that we run annually with the, with the organization and 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 Con's uh, belief and and supporting such a great cause and understanding the importance of of giving as much independence for these young uh, young children youth and adults as, as best as we possibly can and as you described this dinner. Uh, in its since its existence, uh, seven years now, uh, we've raised well over ten million dollars for our Easter Seal kids. Uh, Kevin, a w- wonderful, wonderful story. Um, 
I'll, I'll leave you off with this. Uh, I know uh, you were born with cerebral palsy. You use a wheelchair. I've met you on a few occasions. Um, in your words, in your words, um, what has Easter Seals meant to you? Well, Easter Seals has made me what I am today, without a doubt, from, from the year that I was uh, chosen, fortunate enough to be chosen the ambassador in 1976, um, to where I am now. I mean, never in my wildest imagination would I've ever thought, you know, getting to attend camp, uh, an Easter Seal camp as, as a child, um, way back when I was, you know, starting at the age of eight, um, and now being the president and CEO. The one thing that, it, that it's brought forth for me is the fact that, you know what, never give up on your dreams. You know, this organization has been an incredible support for so many kids, and we'll continue to do that for many more years to come. The exciting part for us is that in, in 2022, Easter Seals will be celebrating its 100th anniversary. And so we're really excited. We're gearing up towards those celebrations and can't wait. But again, you know, um, our, the needs are there. The needs continue to be there. And, and with the support of our donors and corporate supporters, uh, we can continue to uh, to make an incredible difference for so many kids and their families. Kevin, I want to thank you so much for joining us uh, once again. Uh, keep up the keep. It's fantastic work. It's it's such an important part uh, delivering services and dreams, dreams to uh, young men and women. And uh, it's uh, fulfilled yours, and it's fulfilling so many more. Uh, we really, really thank you, and uh, look forward to seeing you this week. Excellent. Thank you so much for the time. It's our pleasure. Kevin Collins. Um, one of the gentlemen that uh, Kevin's talked about, there's so many so many great athletes that are in attendance uh, at this dinner that donate uh, donate their time to this fantastic cause. And there's one special gentleman that has uh, is on the line waiting for us is, of course, Toronto Maple Leaf legend David Keon. David, how are you this morning? I'm good, Wally. Thanks. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Sixty uh, eighth uh, Con Smythe dinner, David. You're coming into town. Uh, you uh, you're going to be at the head table. Uh, you're going to be uh, obviously supporting uh, a fantastic cause. Uh, tell us a little bit about your support. Well, uh, I, I remember when uh, Mr. Smythe was involved. Uh, remember back in the sixties. <clears throat> I think it started at Variety Village. Uh, out in um, in Scarborough, and then it just evolved. Uh, I haven't been to the dinner since sometime in the 70s. I've been invited on a number of occasions, but I just haven't been able to go. So I'm uh, really looking forward to uh, being there on Wednesday. David, uh, Red Kelly had his jersey retired in Detroit. Well, what did that mean to you? Oh, I thought he should, should have been retired a long time ago. Uh, he was an uh, integral part of, uh, you know, the Stanley Cups that they won. And uh, he, uh, with uh, Ted Lindsay and Gordy and Sawchuk, uh, you know, they were the backbone of those, uh, and Marcel Pronovo, they were the backbone of those uh, Stanley Cup winning teams. And uh, I thought that it should have happened a long time ago, but... Uh, I'm glad that it did happen. Uh, David, we're thrilled you're coming in to, uh, for the Easter Seals dinner, and there's a, a gentleman that uh, the dinner was named after um, that was uh, prominent in your life in a lot of different ways. Uh, he was uh, the owner of the Leafs, and uh, 
built the Leafs for for so many years and uh, uh, a big big supporter of this cause. Uh, has had uh, the dinners named after him. It's become the most prominent sports dinner in Canada. Con Smythe, um, your recollections of the man uh, and uh, any interesting Con Smythe stories? Well, my first year, he was the. Um uh, you know, he still owned the team until 1961, so he was uh, uh, the owner when I turned pro, and uh, I, I had not signed my contract yet at the start of the year, and uh, the season was starting on a Thursday in Montreal, I, I think uh, early in October, and uh, we had practice, and... Uh, I got a call from Miss McDonald, who was his secretary, that Mr. Smythe wanted to see me, and I tried to figure out what I'd done because I was absolutely petrified that something had gone wrong and he was going to reprimand me. But I went down, and um, uh, she said, he'll see you in a minute. And I went in, and he uh, congratulated me. I want to welcome you to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I hope you have a long and successful career. And... uh, from that on, from then on we uh we used to see each other periodically and we'd always talk and uh i seem to have we seem to get along and and have a decent uh, have a good relationship uh um so that, that and then that's, there's that's something that i remember for that i've always remembered being welcome to the maple leaf organization and when I came out of the office, Bob Nevin was there, and he asked me what, you know, if I said, oh, it's okay, everything's okay. So we were kind of uh, welcomed to, to, the, to the Maple Leafs. And uh, talking about being welcomed to the Maple Leafs, uh, David, you relate a story to me recently. Uh, it's been reported. Uh, when you came back as a Hartford Whaler, um, that that uh, game at uh, at the gardens where you were warmly welcomed back by the fans and I believe you scored and had some points that night. Uh, Smythe took the time to come down and see you. Tell us tell us that story. Uh, yes, he came down before the game and came in to see me and uh, we talked for a little bit and uh, uh, I uh, he asked me where is the other guy and uh, Gordy was there and Gordy was in the washroom. He said that sounds like Mr. Smythe. And he, they both laughed, and he came. Gordy came out and said to him, "Do you remember the first time we met?" And uh, Mr. Smythe said, "Yes, he did." And and then they relayed the story of Gordy was in the penalty box, and I, I think this is around, uh, I guess, 1948 or 49. And Gordy's in the penalty box, and Mr. Smythe and Mrs. Smythe used to sit behind the leaf bench, and and Mr. Smythe got up and ran all the way around and stuck his head in the penalty box and. Gordy put his stick under his nose and said, what do you want, old man? And he said, nothing. And he ran back to the seat, ran back to his seat. And Gordy and Mr. Smythe had a great laugh about that. And, and then he left. Uh, we're talking to Dave Keon. Uh, we're going to let you go, David, but I uh, just want to, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you this week. But uh, um, there's, always been a, there's always been a special connection uh, between athletes and, and young boys and girls. Uh, and I, I've always sensed that you're you're one of those athletes that has sort of 
understood the connection between uh, the the passion and the uh, the big eyes that children have when they when they see professional athletes. And uh, uh, it's great that we're going to see you, and great that you're supporting this fantastic cause, David. Well, I look forward to seeing you, Walter, and now and Naz, and uh, I'll see you on Wednesday. Thanks so David, much, David. One last question: Who's going to win the Super Bowl today? <laughs> Ah, that's a very uh, <laughs> that's a very tough question. <laughs> it's hard hard to bet against the Patriots. If I if I was to guess, the Patriots are the uh, are the favorite in your household. Uh, <laughs> well, yes, they, David. They, uh, they command the number one spot. Yeah, so I, I it would be it would be risky for you to go out on the limb and say that you're supporting the Rams. So. Yeah, very very risky. <laughs> and by the way, the sun is out and it's going to be about seventy eight. Oh, well, thanks for that. Well, I just thought I'd let you know. The, uh, the, the ark is parked, so we, we don't need it anymore. <laughs> David, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so All much right, for thank joining you. us. Thanks, David. Uh, thank you. Uh, there, I didn't there, know the, you such a patriot, man. Well, I, I think it, I, I don't know the whole story, but I think his wife is from his wife Jane's from New England, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think uh, I think his wife Jane is a Patriots fan. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to relay a David Keon story. Um, because he's not David's not a self promoter, and he I didn't want to say this with having him on the air because he'd probably deny it or he'd probably be embarrassed um, by me relaying the story. But uh, Naz, as you're aware, we were uh, spent a lot of time uh, uh, in in a nomination for David Keon to Canada Sports Hall of Fame, and in, in the course of that uh, nomination. Uh, did quite a bit of research on David, and there was a very, very interesting uh, 1986 article written by Earl McRae, uh, who was uh, was one of Canada's greatest sports uh, sports uh, sports journalists. Uh, some exceptional material back in the 70s and 80s, and and Earl McRae relayed and uh, relayed a story about David Keon that. Uh, it had come. It had come to his attention that there was a there was a there was a child at, at the hospital for sick children, um, that was a was a big Dave Keon fan. He was a seven year old kid that was uh, wasn't very well, and somebody passed that information on to David. He didn't say anything, and um, and to make a long story short, as it turned out, uh, unfortunately that. Uh, that child passed away, uh, and as as Earl McRae reported, uh, one of his last visitors was David Keon. David would never say that to anybody; he'd never mention it to anybody. But uh, uh, Earl McRae did. He wrote a, he wrote a story about it, and and I've always said, you know, athletes not not so much they have a responsibility, uh, or maybe they do have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, they're held in such high regard. They're held in such high regard in our society, and if they have the opportunity to brighten a child's day or brighten somebody's day, if they can do it, um, what could be more valuable? And I, I just wanted to relay that David Keon story because I guarantee you he'd never, he'd never pass that story. Yeah, he's on. an amazing guy. Amazing. You know, he's, he's not a self-promoter, never has been. He'd be embarrassed to have it, probably if he even knew that I was relaying this story. But it's, it was published. It's a public story in the, in, a, in the Ottawa Citizen in 1986. I dug that story up uh, in my research. Uh, anyways, Easter Seals, it's great to have David back in town. It's great to have all 
the others, Tessa Virtue, Daniel Nestor, John Gibbons, Curtis Joseph, Jaina Hefford, Sammy Joel Small, Billy Bridges, uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award, Jerry Howarth. Um, truly a remarkable event. There'll be so many other athletes there. Such a great cause, and we wish them all the best. Naz, uh, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, what do we want to take on here? Uh, let's take on Sebastian Jovenko uh, and Victor Vasquez leaving town. Um, that story came up, I think, really rapidly and exited really rapidly, and Sebastian Jovenko is no longer a member of TFC. What happened? I'm not sure what happened, Wally. He's, his play hasn't diminished at all. He was pretty good last year, too. He was, he was better two years ago, but he's pretty good last year. And uh, he loved the city of Toronto, so I'm not sure why he's gone. It could be the agent, right? You know, there's these, uh, you, know you look at the top, you look at the list of top-notch athletes that have left Toronto in the last few years. I mean, uh, somebody published, the ones that come off the DeRozan. top. Uh, DeRozan, we got something Bautista, for him. Bautista, Encarnacion, Donaldson. Uh, I mean, the list The list goes on and on. Um, this sort of reminds me of the uh, Encarnacion negotiation with, with the Blue Jays. It's, it's almost like it's two parties were playing poker. Uh, they were trying to bluff each other until one, then uh, one party drew a line in the sand, and they weren't going to retract, and, and the negotiation was over. And then what? What just happened here? Um, um, Jovenko obviously is not coming back because uh, TFC couldn't get him on a contract at a number that they were willing to pay. Um, they uh, this 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 international soccer transfer market. He gets. He gets sold to a team in Saudi Arabia for $3 million. I didn't know they played in a soccer league in Saudi Arabia. Well, you know, maybe they don't know we have a soccer league here. Who knows? Uh, Probably. Interesting, interesting, interesting turn of events. Uh, Jovenko, uh, for a couple of years, the best player in MLS. Um, He's at the age where the skills start to decline. Um, You know, Getting, you know, there's there's not that many soccer players in the world that are considered at the top of their game in their mid 30s, and Jovenko's was headed there. Uh, and I guess the the new the new guy Bespachenko's not there anymore. They brought the new guy in from New York, uh, whose name unfortunately escapes me right now. Um, uh, I think he was with the Red Bulls, and he may have a different philosophy. Uh, but Bill Manning, the president of TFC, was quoted. And uh, sort of uh, sent a message to TFC fans, don't worry, we've got some prominent signings we're going to make in the next couple of weeks. We're going to sign a prime player in the prime of his career. So, I wonder who that he, would be. Uh, well, it isn't going to be Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. That I can probably guarantee. Um, but uh, they're probably looking for somebody of, at you know, you know, it's difficult to extract somebody in the prime of their career who's one of the world's top soccer players. They're not coming to MLS. Yeah, they're going elsewhere. They're, no, they're just not coming to MLS. Not in the prime. Jovenko, let's, let's not forget who Jovenko was when he came here. Jovenko was not considered one of the top players at Juventus at the time. He wasn't necessarily a starter. Uh, he wasn't getting uh, – he was basically – 
a bit player on the Italian national team. He wasn't considered one of the great players in the world. I mean, let's let's be frank. Um, and he sort of found his legs in MLS. I actually, I was I was kind of surprised at how well he did. Um, obviously, a gifted player, fantastic on the set pieces. Uh, a little bit to be desired last year on penalty shots. Uh, had his difficulties, uh, but. Uh, they're looking for somebody who's probably a little bit under the radar screen, has top-notch experience in one of the great leagues in either in Serie A or in, uh, in the Spanish league, La Liga, or, or in the Premier. Uh, hopefully it's not another Jermaine Defoe, because I, I thought he came here with just the wrong attitude. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. Should be Na- interesting. Naz, last word before I give our Pizzaville specials again. Uh, I'm going to pick the Rams are going to lose 27-24 to the Patriots. Rams 28, Patriots 17. To our good people at Pizzaville, they're having a great, great uh, special today. That's the big game special. They've been big supporters of our show. They've got some great, great items uh, for great prices. Chicken poppers for 10, 14 of them, 20 of them for 15. Big XL pizza, uh, pizzas. And all available online, order at pizzaville.ca from your seller dial at pound three sex three sex. I've been wanting to say that for a long time, Ness. You just did. <laughs> to all our listeners, have a fantastic week and enjoy the Super Bowl.